As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in directed Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are learning to use tools and co-op. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. <laughs> Well, listeners, if uh, you couldn't tell, that <laughs> little extra frivolity <laughs> in the clubhouse today, for plenty of reasons, but one is that um, I don't know if the calendar math is exactly right, but when you're listening to this, listener, it will be uh, five years since our first episode was published. Ooh. So it's our five-year anniversary, I guess. Yeah. So we have nothing <laughs> planned for this, this episode, but right. we are doing our yearly nicest episode coming up in a couple of weeks and we'll also be sort of doubling up and doing that as our five-year anniversary show yes uh which is pretty exciting yeah wow five it's i mean that's a big number but like we've done a couple of anniversary shows we've done a couple of like episode milestone shows mm-hmm. and i feel like there's not much more to say about like yeah it's a, it's a, we're a long-running program now yeah um but uh so i think marking the occasion is probably better than trying to come up with a whole production around yeah. it any longer i mean it i mean the thing is that like ellen this is your first year on the show or Red, you've passed your first year on the yeah. show and you're, you're getting to get hit 100 episodes pretty soon wow and so i think maybe that might be a better milestone to mark <laughs> <laughs> maybe i don't know but have we been counting i don't know yeah well no we wrote it down somewhere uh-huh. and i just the only oh, the no. problem where did we write it down <laughs> that's the exact issue i was gonna say uh. the only problem with like only issue when you write something down if you don't remember where you wrote it down and you don't look at it regularly then it's completely useless. yeah our other milestone coming up is 250 episodes that's just six episodes away so we'll probably we'll hit that when we come back from hiatus this year yeah in january february mm-hmm. um so but again just we've done a number of these it's mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting and it's really cool to see that um listeners have been they've been talking about the show yeah you know, like it's um, I, I'm, I'm making this awkward transition because today, right now, where we're recording mm-hmm. uh, is the second day of the Word pro, uh, Wordplay Festival right. where our game Glom is part of the showcase there. And um, uh, yesterday, with, uh, during the, the first day of the showcase, uh, uh, um, it, it came up and, and, and we you know, got some nice comments yeah. from people who are like, oh, yeah, I love that show. I'm Very glad they're stuck. And I was like, okay, oh. well, you know, I, I do forget sometimes because you know, we do Nice Games Club and then mm-hmm. we also are game designers and we also do you know, our, like our day jobs and like our, you know, our gigs and various things. Right. And I tend to separate all that stuff out. Yeah. Partly same. because Glom is a, is a production of the show as, mm-hmm. as well as us as designers. 
But um, I do sometimes forget that, like, we are in some ways public figures. Yeah. <laughs> but there are people out there who know who we are. Mm-hmm. I kind of just go into Nice Games Club mode when we do the show. Yeah. But when I'm out there in the world elsewhere, I don't think, of, I don't ever expect to be recognized or anything like that. Well, remember when we went to that, um, um, uh, oh my gosh, that con we went to together as Nice Games Club and, like, people recognized our voices? Oh no, Martha was like that. I think Martha was like walking around saying things, and then yeah, and she's just like, "I recognize your voice from Nice Games Club." Yeah, so wild. I know, right? It's probably not that unique. Uh, I bet a lot of people who have like you know mid tier shows like ours, yeah. you know, uh, face that where yeah. it's like, where no one's going to stop us on the street. It's not right. You know, there's we're we're, we're nowhere close to by orders of magnitude mm-hmm. that level of recognition, and so we would never consider. That we'd ever be recognized by anybody anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should test that. We should like go to a, a public space when it's safe to go up in a public space again. Uh-huh. You know, just go to the library and talk and talk and talk. Well, you'll definitely get some attention if you do that. But I was thinking <laughs> just like, just stand up and go like, wow. And uh-huh. just make sure we hit the pitch right because I don't think I did there. And just see what I'll, recognition yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just say my patented dang and then people right. dang <laughs> start clamoring. Yeah. Is that Stephen McGregor? Oh my god. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Someone just said dang exactly like Stephen says dang. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, anyway, we'll have more to say or we won't uh, when we do our nicest this yes. year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have more to say. <laughs> I don't know we'll have more to say about that. Ellen will have more to say. <laughs> Stephen and I have said enough. <laughs> um, before we get started, I want to talk about a couple of uh, uh, hardware delays that hit um, um, from where you're sitting, listeners. It'd be a couple weeks ago, and these are both announced. But Steam Deck, the handheld PC from uh, Valve, uh, that got delayed by two months. I think that's the, what they said. Okay. Um, so people who were oh, that's not that bad. No, nah, it's not that yeah. bad. But you know, I mean, it's a con- it's like a new console release, so right. it's kind of a well. There, I mean, in, in a way, it is. Um, yeah, but uh, people who are expecting to get it uh, at the end of this year, it's going to be February, um, and that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. And then um, right on the heels of that, uh, Playdate, the little yellow co- console that I'm working on, uh, working a ga- uh, uh, making a game for, um, that also got delayed, and that one is a sad story. Yeah. Um, oh no. Basically, what happened is they had all you know they had the first run they had the the pre-orders went out like crazy if people yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, and so, but people were expecting to get theirs kind of almost in the same schedule as the Steam Deck at yeah. the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And then a next batch of, of pre-orders would come early, mid next year. Yeah. And um, the reason for that was just they made 50,000 of them and then those got snapped up. And mm-hmm. then they, they put in an order with the, all their part suppliers and factories and stuff to, for the next batch. And, you know, in this, uh, you know, uh, uh, this time, um, it, that's a hard to predict. So they just said 2022. And what happened is that first batch of orders, there was a huge uh, a battery uh, failure with uh, the supplier that supplied their batteries. They're like oh, basically cool. none of them worked. <gasps> oh, and so what they had to do is they one by one they had to go and replace them with a, with a, a new. They had to find a new battery supplier um, that they were able to to fix that first run. But that's going to take time to yeah. go through all of that. And yeah. they caught it before the, they shipped, which. You can imagine for like you know the gamble that they're taking. If yeah. if that was a, if you know they didn't if consoles didn't hold the charge, that would have been ruinous. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's very wow. good news that they caught it, um, but uh, but it does mean the delay. So the so people who who were in that first batch of pre-orders won't get theirs until February, right? Um, maybe March. Um, I'm not. I don't remember exactly on that, but um, we'll link in the show notes the 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 story on that. It's really really a big bummer. Mm-hmm. But the bigger part is that the next batch. <laughs> 
all of their suppliers have like put them at the bottom of the list. Like the CPU that they got, this like really low powered ARM chip. Yeah. Apparently that particular one is just impossible to get now. Oh. And so um, they had to replace it with another chip that has similar capabilities, mm-hmm. but is from a supplier. And it's just basically the way they tell it is that it's um, it's just a matter of it's like you know when you're trying to find like. I want to find that one thing in that one color. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you like, there's like 30 stores and you don't, there's no particular reason why one store has it and one doesn't like, yeah. you know, there, there are little reasons, but you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what, that's what Playdate or panic is doing when they're getting some of their suppliers is like, yeah. Oh, you don't have them. Well, I guess we'll just look at other places and you, you, you don't go like the next biggest. You just look at everywhere you can get a, right. these components mm-hmm. without having to fundamentally change everything. What they're doing is they have to actually do have to redesign the main board oh. it to, for the for the new components, Dang. and it's, so it's going to be the same device, but they just have to go through a lot of extra work to build it again with different parts. Yeah, for this next batch, the first batch, other than the batteries, are all ready to go. Um, so just the uh, saddest thing, and you can you know they have to put out these public messages and they have to convince people that no, this isn't like a Kickstarter that got delayed forever. This is a yeah. different thing, yeah. mm-hmm. but it reads very much like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you know. I, just the what they have to, to be open and, and transparent, but not like say things that would come off badly or right. it, it just it's a communications nightmare as well as a logistical one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little happy about it because I have a couple extra months to, <laughs> to work on, on my, my Playdate project, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is good. Um, they also announced a, a, the, when they're going to be releasing the SDK for people finally. Oh, good. Uh, and the, their Pulp Playdate tool that will be in a in, uh, 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 February, March as well. Well, that'll give a lot of people more time to work on stuff too then. Yeah, and I think that's going to, I hope that that, um, because the simulator is really good um, mm-hmm. that I've been working with and that'll be the same tools that people have, um, people will be able to design and play their games and even share them in a way before anybody gets hardware. Okay. And so I hopefully that will keep people's energies up um, you know, as they wait for it. Because it's not just a console, it's also a development device. It's also right. a, an ecosystem and it's a hobbyist machine and all of that. And yeah. Hopefully there'll be enough of that energy that keeps through the the long wait for that next batch that a lot of people are waiting for. Yeah. Rough stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In good news though, I I beat Metroid Dread. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> you got through it pretty quick. I I mean, I get I did. Yeah, I got to the part where I was like, "Well, I'm clearly going to get to the final boss here." And I was like, "I'm just going to do the final boss." Yeah. yeah. There were a lot of items I could have gotten. I was like, eh, nah. <laughs> Yeah. So I just kept I just went ahead and beat the boss. Yeah. How long did it take you again? Like speed? It was like seven hours. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. really fast. My clear time was like eleven something. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's still not that long. Yeah, I actually compared don't, I don't to know like what's other triple A games. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, but uh yeah it was good. I enjoyed it. I really liked the ending. Um I'm not like a huge I'm not really like super deep in the Metroid lore, but there was some cool stuff that happened in the ending that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um it was yeah it was a fun time. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like and we complete it all together. <laughs> when we've all done, we'll do it like a... Yeah, the, ele- the elephant in the, in the clubhouse here is that Ellen... <laughs> I was so excited for it, and I, and I haven't started it yet. However, I did I did have a, like a huge deliverable that I was able to get done on Friday, so I should yeah. have more time going forward. Yeah. Um, as long as it's not all cannibalized with finishing up the move. Yeah. Right, right. To be fair, it wasn't your fault that you haven't played it yet. There was just I mean, a lot of stuff came up. Like, it was my... As a contractor, I guess it's my fault, because oh. I accept the work, but, uh-huh. like, you gotta work right yeah 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 i'm just anxious for us to be able to say spoiler warning on the show yeah and we can just the three of us talk about it yeah but now we have to we we, steven have to protect you from spoilers. you have to say spoiler warning and then i have to like walk out of the room yeah right 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 (laughs) fingers and ears la 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) um i'd actually i usually don't mind spoilers too much yeah because i don't know but 
I actually don't want to hear anything about the ending. Yeah. Yep. Have, well, that's the thing about a game like this is there's not actually a lot to spoil. And so any tiny spoiler is like 25% of the spoilers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you kind of just want to say nothing, yep. even though it's not. Yeah. Each, it's not that fundamentally spoilable. Yeah. But you just want to steer clear. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. We'll get there. Soon, hopefully. Yeah. Although I think I'm going to probably take more time with it than you guys have. <laughs> I'm, I can't imagine like, yeah. I think it's going to take me more than seven hours, probably because I just don't have the reflexes that Steven does and I'm going to die a lot, but <laughs> also because I like getting all the puzzle secrets and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I had, I think I had like 80 something percent. I don't even know what that is exactly, but they give you a percentage. Well, there's a hundred percentage. And if you get 80 parts of those I don't know 100. what it, it's a percentage of. Like, is it of all the collectibles or is it like... um all the areas or the areas plus collectibles or oh, it doesn't rate sure. you a percentage based on like on certain other, I don't know what oh, the metric yeah. is. I always thought it was collectibles. I'm pretty sure it's it probably is just that. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I, I felt pretty thorough. So um, I suspect you will probably take about as long as I took, I guess. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. We'll I see. was, I was not thorough. <laughs> I mean, after a certain point, you just don't need any more missiles. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so need, need is not the word. That you <laughs> Yeah. No, okay. I was I was I worked very hard to get two hundred missiles. Uh. <laughs> I was like it was like one ninety three and I'm like, I can get seven more. <laughs> two hundred missiles is a good number. That's yeah. A good number. That's pretty good. Now like three hundred though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking back to like the Super Metroid yeah. days when I was playing that a lot and I would just like get all of the super missiles and just I just liked the way that the screen shook when I <laughs> Fired him off. Nice. <laughs> so good. That's fun. Mm. Well, if you're if you enjoy the game half as much as I can see you're enjoying yourself right now, um, <laughs> I think you'll really like it. Oh yeah, I'm really I'm so really excited for it. I was I actually I was planning on um I initially had a plan yesterday of going and grabbing the game and playing it mm -hmm. and I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep again. Yeah. So I spent last of yesterday hibernating and that's okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We're adults. We get to sleep. That's that's the benefit. Yeah, <laughs> being an adult, you don't get to sleep I'm, when you're a teenager. Probably for most for most adults, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Actually, that's fair. <laughs> but not having not having kids and having a dog that does yeah. like to take naps, then I'm I'm good. Sometimes I can take take a good Saturday afternoon. Nap. That's true. And it's really good nap weather right now. Yeah. I know some people like <laughs> I don't know bad weather. Yes. <laughs> it's, it snowed finally and it's gray. No, Ellen, no. <laughs> it did not snow. I don't believe you. Don't look outside, Mark. Mark. <laughs> don't look outside, Mark. My eyes are closed. Okay. <laughs> okay. How did you drive here with your eyes closed? I'm just ignorant to all around me. Yeah. Just, just... <laughs> Great. He's really I'm good at compartmentalizing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Ellen, you have a topic. I do. I do. It has nothing to do with any of the things we've been talking about, as usual. <laughs> um. So yeah. So we've talked a little bit about like learning Godot over the last few weeks. We had like the Godot jam that um that I went and did, and we've had uh one of our fans on um who is a, a major participant in our Discord channel has been uh, going even further than that and sharing some of his progress on the discord channel which has been pretty cool yeah. um but i've also picked up a couple of other tools just randomly this year and i want to talk about just the process of learning tools um because of a couple of reasons i think um it's nice to hear people talk about their process for learning things because learning happens in your own brain 
So even if you're doing a learning activity with other people, it's still something that you are doing solo because you're doing, you're building stuff in your own brain and your brain's architecture is completely unique because it's, it's dependent on your own experiences, right? Mm. Um, and so to a certain extent, it's always going to be a solo activity. But I think having here, like hearing people talk about how they learn things is, can be encouraging and it can be like a motivating, um, it's at least for me, it's motivating to hear other people talk about how their processes are because then it makes me feel good that my process is different. And it's just kind of nice to, to get a little bit of moral support when you're trying to learn something. The other thing is our hiatus is coming up. And one of the things I want to do during hiatus, because the hiatus that we have will also kind of coincide with a little bit of a work lull for me, ah. is I'm going to be spending more time. I'm going to get back to Godot and learn some, some of that a little bit more. And then also Ooh. learn some other like e-learning development tools so that I have a a little bit more variety in the work that I do cool. for my day job. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I want to hear your stories and get get jazzed up for, for that in those weeks that are coming up. Here are stories of learning things? Of learning things. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about that, but I'll, I'll start and I can give you some of my stories and some of the things that I've been learning. So uh, I mentioned Godot. Um, I've also recently started learning Articulate Storyline. So if you're an e-learning developer, if you've ever done some of that before, you've probably heard of the tool. It's a really um, highly regarded piece of software in that it's got a great learning community, a uh, practitioner community, dev community around it. So you can learn a lot of, there's a lot of resources on there on how to, how to learn it. Um, and it's also pretty fast for making interactivity. That's like low level compared to what a game engine can do. It's not even close. It's not even really worth mentioning in the same conversation and okay. in terms of its capabilities, but it's another thing that I'm learning. And I also finally subscribed to the full Adobe suite this year. Ooh. I've been able to get away with that because most of the work that I do is like designing and writing. Mm -hmm. So I have designed in Balsamic and Adobe XD and, and things like that. I've also been using Miro, which is an online whiteboarding tool. And I've been using that to do wireframing. works pretty well for that too. Um, but for writing, I just use like Google Docs <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and it's fine. <laughs> Um, because I work with a team of HTML5 developers to actually bring it to life. Mm -hmm. But I did a little bit of extra work um, this year in Storyline and with some Storyline developers, so I had some exposure to that tool as well. And so I'm going to learn that also over hiatus. So, yeah, there's a lot of different things that I'm learning, and as I've been trying to pull in these different tools, I've kind of realized, like, I have the same process for a lot of these tools. Mm -hmm. And... I wanted to just share that process out loud and then hear you guys talk about what you, um, what your process you use for learning different tools. Before we jump into process though, I've shared a couple of tools that I picked up this year. What have you guys been learning this year? If anything? Well, I just, this is really recent, which is why it's top of mind, mm -hmm. but I, I used to write a lot of screenplays or screen, things in screenplay format yeah. uh, when I was working in commercial video and short films and stuff. And I used a tool called um, Keltex for that, uh, which was a, a, a free screenwriting software that was pretty well regarded. And then I also used uh, another Adobe app called Adobe Story, which was an online. Um, uh, it was actually a, it was actually a Flash app um, mm -hmm. that was available online, and it was also was the desktop version. And then as Adobe, this was like a decade ago now, as Adobe like started winding down its sort of Flash empire, mm -hmm. but that they let that one just kind of linger, and eventually they shut it down in like 2014 or something. And by that time, I had. I started transitioning to my next career as a game developer. Right. And I didn't have a lot of need to write uh, things in screenplay format. And so when I would write things that would be uh, like for voiceover or for other types of things that would that I could use, I just didn't need to anymore. It just wasn't that important. Mm -hmm. It's just Google Docs or whatever. 
Um, but recently I found just this week, I found the need to do that again. Hmm. And I realized I don't know any of the current tools ah. for, for a screenwriting software. And, and a lot of them are, you know, $150 or something. And so, oh, wow. um, so I was like, so I kind of said, okay, I'm going to download a couple of demos and see which one is going to fit the needs I have. And then maybe I'll pick one. Maybe I'll buy one if one is really, you know, uh, meets my needs. But I also forgot entirely what I wanted out of a piece of software like that. Oh, wow. It's been a very long time. Uh -huh. And I ended up not picking anything. I just have all these demos. And I ended up just like, well, you know what? I'm, I punted on the task. Because <laughs> I had to get back to actually writing the thing. Yeah. I just went back to Word or whatever. Um, but I, I, I found it, like, really kind of surprising. Because I get into a situation where I want to be auton autonomic. Yeah. And, and I just assumed... I knew how it's like, oh, I need to write something in screenplay format. I've done it a million times. I know exactly what I need to do. And I, it, a total blank. Wow. It, it was very, it was a very unusual alien feeling for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that happened just this week. So I, I need to sort of like drill down and like start over with that kind of like thing, which is really weird. It's been a while for me. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I wonder if, you know, expectations have a huge impact on what your experience of learning a thing will be. Yeah. I, my patience was very low. Yeah. Because I'm like, I already know this. I already know this. Exactly. Why am I, and, and, and I try to like systematically get, you know, the way I would, when I need to learn new software. Yeah. But it just kept going, getting so frustrated because I just kept telling myself, I already have something for this. But I, right. do, I don't. But you don't. Yeah. 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 So to adjust your expectations, which is really difficult, especially since you've spent so much time in that space. It just hasn't been recent. Yeah. Yeah. And so. that explains the, the very the next to no progress I made this week doing that. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a very natural reaction. It's like, okay, this isn't working. I am not in the emotional state I need to be in to actually progress with this. It's going to go to the bottom of the backlog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Steven, how about you? Um, I was initially going to be like, I haven't learned anything, but that's not true. False. <laughs> uh, I, uh, my, my company recently started trying to use Codex, which um, listeners who have been listening to us for a while knew that like we've been, we were sponsored by them for a little bit. Yeah, right? they were the first ads we ever did were for Yeah. Them. Yeah. They're, they're cool. nice people. Do, yeah, do, do, they do. are very nice. Mm -hmm. Um dang. And I was what's that? I said dang. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Steven, is that you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, no. for listeners know it's it's like it's sort of like Trello, but very specifically focused on game dev. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I huh. I, I feel like you could do it in in, in various different it doesn't have to be a game dev thing. You use this like product, sure, sure. productive productivity tool for but uh i've like gotten really accustomed to it actually it's it's been pretty nice but we're transitioning back into trello now because <laughs> i think everybody else on the team does not like it as much as i do yeah <laughs> i i like it a lot because like you have your own hand and so like i can just see my own tasks yeah that i need to do and like i only have to pay attention to those if i need to pay attention to other people's tasks i can just look at their their own hands but like otherwise i can yeah. just ignore their stuff that when 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 they when we were looking into them when they were responding to the show those mm -hmm. couple weeks that was the thing that most impressed me about the concept is is how good for teams it was. Yeah, Trello is good because it's so simple; it's impossible to get wrong. Yes, but when you have a larger team, it starts to become not enough tool for yeah. you. Yeah, and that's what Codex seems to be a good on ramp without going full on Jira. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not Jira. If you, I mean, once you're there, then all hope is lost. <laughs> <laughs> It felt it was filling a place in the market too. So, but it's mm -hmm. good that that bore out in your experience. No, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's just you know we're not using it anymore now. So, yeah, not everybody could make that leap. Yeah, and I think that's fair because I think like we had we had a whole system in place before, and then I started working, and then we transitioned into Codex after. I didn't suggest it, but like they just did it on their own free will. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then I just started liking this thing, but like I'm using it for a different purpose, especially since I'm the only programmer. It makes a lot of sense for me to only focus on the tasks that I need. Yeah. So. Mm. 
it made a lot of sense for me to do that. But I also understand why people are transitioning from Trello um, or transitioning back to Trello mm-hmm. uh, or prefer to do that because they actually Trello added a new feature or something where you can add like add ons or something for free if you have the free Trello service or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been taking dramatic advantage of that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing about Trello is that it most people use the free version mm-hmm. and I don't I'm actually not even that familiar with what the paid version gets you. We don't have the paid version either. Well, so I don't it. know. Most people don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that's, I mean, it's a loss leader kind of idea. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I might be uh, discounting Trello's abilities because I don't consider whatever its paid features have. Cause mm. I don't, I don't know anybody who uses it. Yeah. I, I guess right. I don't either. Mm. That's an interesting one because Trello, I mean, you can use it to organize your own stuff for sure. Yeah. Right. But those kinds of tools are much more powerful when you're using them in a team, right? Mm-hmm. So to actually learn a tool like that, you have to kind of learn it with other people. Right. Um, right. There's process yeah. that's outside the tool itself yeah. that you share with other people. Yeah, yeah. And you have to negotiate that with other folks. Yeah. It's not just learning. It's the whole, like, what is it? The forming, norming, forming, storming, norming, performing thing. Like when your team comes together. You guys haven't heard this before? Yeah, you say that like that's something we would know. Right? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay. Say it slower and explain it all. <laughs> um, I can't remember the actual name of it. And that's probably bad that I can't remember the thing that it's actually called. But it's like the stages of team development. Yeah. Mm. And so first your team is forming. And it's, you know, you're, you are doing your icebreakers. And you're learning about each other. And you're going out to that first awkward lunch. And right. so on and so forth. And then storming is you are all trying to attack the task you know and you're trying to you're trying to get work done but it's awkward because you haven't formed like the channels and the communication you haven't negotiated the relationship yet you're still you're trying to do a thing yeah but you haven't figured out how to work together yet right and then the third stage is norming which is where you're starting to establish those norms establish the culture of the team establish the communication pathways establish like you know what do you you know what decisions do you for defer to Mark in and what de- decisions do you defer to Steven in and how how do you communicate that and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and how often you get to go to Jimmy John's for lunch that kind of stuff um and then performing is the team has been together long enough and has practiced working together enough that um you are kind of like able to optimize your performance oh. and focus on that and focus on like how do we get better as a team you see, build up trust and so on and so forth. Got it. Um, so whenever you're using a tool like Trello, it's a tool that is enabling that process, the forming, storming, norming, performing thing. But that that process also informs how well you can use the tool. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is why I think Trello is so popular. Like if you're getting together in a game, like a game jam. Yep. You know, like when we did, was it Global Game Jam or was it Ludum Dark? It was when we were doing Hot Clock. Uh, that was Little Dark. Yeah. Okay. We used Trello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was really easy to everyone already knew it and everyone already used it, so yeah. you were able to kind of like skip over some of the the storming. Yeah. Right. And jump right to norming. Um, with that, although we had to figure out some some workflow and stuff like that, but like there was a lot less to figure out because it was a tool that everyone was already familiar with. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, and even if we didn't use it all in the same way. Frequently, we knew all the normal ways other people use it generally. Yeah. That we were able to align very quickly because we were familiar with the ways other people do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, if if someone used colors to assign certain things and communicate something and we typically don't, we still understand enough about the tool and it's easy enough to, to understand and jump in and, and switch yeah. the way that you use it that you can figure it out. You know, it's like changing a different, like you use this drill, it's a black and decker drill versus like a. What's another brand of drill? As, as you were in the middle of that sentence, I'm like, she's not going to be able to come up with another brand. 
we have another brand of drill. We have a yellow one and we have a black and decker orange one. And I we always use a yellow one and I don't remember what it is because I got the black and decker one as a gift and yeah. Eric got the yellow one as a gift. So it's like my drill is the orange one. <laughs> it's a black and decker and his is the other one. <laughs> and the and the other one. The other one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. So let's say you have two drills, right? <laughs> this is, I'm trying to get you back on track. <laughs> right. Thank you. You have two drills and like, yeah. Okay. One is orange and the other one's yellow. And one of them's got maybe like a light and the other one doesn't, but you can still quickly switch between the other, like the two and yeah. figure it out because right. fundamentally it's the same kind of tool. Mm -hmm. So one team uses Trello one way and another team uses Trello a different way, but it's fine. You'll be able to adapt. Now, if you're using something completely new, like as a team or by yourself, then there's a lot more they have to yeah. figure out. Yeah. Well, that, and that uh, relates a little bit to the trouble I was having because it, because I, I didn't have any of those familiarities that I thought I did. I kept searching for it. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that can be difficult when you have to learn something new in a way that is different from what you know it to be. Mm -hmm. Which yeah. was just that just was true for me no matter how I tried to do it. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me in Godot, it sounds like. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. Mm -hmm. Because like you're so focused on how Unity does it, and Godot is such a response to how Unity does it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That it was it was a little bit harder for you because it it was trying to do the same things in a different way. Yeah. And it didn't it didn't make sense to you. Like it didn't not not that you couldn't figure it out, but like you were struggling with the decisions on, uh, yes. they made as to why to do things this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Which was just too distracting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interference. It's learning interference. Yes. You're learning something that is that is close to or or relies on a, a lot of similar pathways in your brain yep. um, to something that you already know really well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you still need to forge new pathways, but it's like, you know, you, you're you're forging a new pathway but it's really close to a pathway that's already well established and so your brain which likes to conserve energy mm -hmm. is like you need to just take this pathway that already exists why are you making me forge a new one that takes lots of energy and work take this other path and you're like but it's not the same brain you need to take this other one the brain's like no <laughs> no and what's funny is um the i'm not sure how well this relates but i'm thinking about uh when i when i started doing more work in unity and it was such a struggle for me because I was, I kept thinking like, I've used other tools that are better at this particular task and it would frustrate me so much. Mm -hmm. And it would almost be like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm insulted that I have to do it in this, uh, this way or whatever. And, you know, uh, independent of all the other benefits that the Unity platform has. Mm -hmm. um, and I finally felt like I was getting really good at it and I really knew what it was and it, it wasn't distracting me so much for all the missing or different things. And then they introduced nested prefabs. Oh, in the gosh. Middle, <laughs> in the middle of the widget satchel. Yeah. And at that moment, that suddenly a unity turned into flash because that's how that's how flash structures its objects in space mm -hmm. oh. uh, as nested components and that metaphor was so familiar to me and and i and i never and i didn't like it was so ingrained and even though i hadn't done flash in a long like in, in that way in a long time it i immediately went back to that and was so excited and then in a way that is interesting because like i spent all that time learning a different way and then the moment the my familiar way was offered to me, I took it back. Like mm -hmm. I, I immediately went back to it. Like yeah, and, and immediately like, like and and so like what I mean to say is that even when you do all that work, like you still have your history behind you. Yeah, like, that like and you even don't even know how, uh, how how powerful it is. And, you know, because you don't always get those opportunities that I did to like suddenly get my old workflow back. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's one of the reasons why. I just really love learning new tools mm -hmm. um, because 
there isn't any of that interference. I don't feel like it's, it doesn't feel like work, like learning a new tool, even though it might feel a little scary. I mean, for me, when I'm trying to learn a tool that's completely new, it's like, oh, sweet, I get to learn a new tool. I'm going to install it. And I get really excited and I install it. And I open it. I'm like, I'm going to click on some buttons. I'm going to start learning stuff. And I'm just going to, I'm going to start messing around things. I'm going to make a circle. And then I'll open it. I'll be like, I can't even make a circle. Oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know how to do this at all. And then I'll find some kind of formal learning product out there that'll kind of help teach me like step by step. Mm -hmm. And that's how it was with Godot. Um, I just launched it and I, my expectations were for myself were pretty low. I'm like, I don't know this. I know it's not going to be anything like Unity. I barely could make sense of Unity, even with Mark's help. Um, when we were working on Widget Satchel, but I know I'll be able to figure it out. And plus, I'll, there'll be there'll be some resources out there that will be able to take me through yeah. enough of it that I'll be able to figure it out. Turns out, um, a like that was exactly my experience. I was excited. I installed it. I opened it with Bravado. I'm like, yep. I don't know how to do this. That's exactly what I expected. I will go find some tools. And then the documentation for Godot that's just on their website has this great getting started section, mm-hmm. which I talked about, I think when we were doing the jam yeah. or around that time. And it's, it just takes you step-by-step through a project and it was so great. Um, it was just so amazing. It was so well-documented and the, it was just very well-written and easy to follow. And that was really cool. Um, I really appreciated that as a learner. Now, something that's interesting, something that I, um, that I expect to experience maybe over the next couple months as I spend more time with Godot is the difference between documentation that's really oriented towards learners who are new mm. and documentation that's oriented towards learners who are more intermediate. Yeah. Yeah. So like the learning experience for someone who's new, like I, at least for me, I really, really need to be learning something um, by building a thing Yeah, right. with a piece of software. Right. The same way I think. Yeah. I cannot stand when someone says like well here's this menu and here's this menu and here's this menu i don't need a tour of the software teach me how to make a circle (laughs) like i don't need a tour of the software give me some game files and like teach me how to put them together Mm. um because menus are not meaning meaningful to me i don't care about menus i only care about the ability of those menus to give me what i need to build a thing give me something to build and then help me build it yeah i I feel like approaching it from that perspective makes it you you have context as to why you need this thing instead Mm -hmm. of just like you know, you need to use the menus at some point, right? So it's not like it's in—it's not valuable to learn that information, but because you don't have the context as to why you need the menu in that moment, it's not—it's not something that you're really interested in. Yeah, you know, we've we've been talking a little bit about these topics, and we've circled them uh, uh, recently in a few episodes mm-hmm. past month or so, and we've all felt pretty much on the same page, mm-hmm. like all the way. Yeah, and and Ellen, you've done a really good job of like um, putting our experiences into words. Like, it, 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 but this is probably the first time where I feel I'm a little bit different from the two of you. Oh, interesting. I do kind of like going through the menus one by one because I, I like to, I want to interrogate what I might use this for. And that's, oh, and that's okay. so basically. Oh, so you want to find the context. Yeah. Of. Yeah. Okay. That's it. So there's the, so, so we're still on the same page in a sense, sure. but I do find that one of the best ways I like to learn something is I, as I'm doing the first thing I need to get done, like mm-hmm. if it, you know, if it's if it's for a client and I need to get this done on a deadline, then I'm a little less prone to this. But still, it'll happen where I will be like, okay, this is a new thing. I'm gonna just goof around and experiment a little bit. But it's important that I I need to in order for it to stick, I need to find what that what I could use this for and maybe try using it for something. Got yeah. It. Um, even if I then throw it away or I go back, and, or even if it's just in my mind palace, right, not actually doing the work. You know, the same, like, if I go to a museum, I like to memorize the map before I go to the first gallery. Oh. 
Interesting. You know, because I want okay. to. I want to get the full. I want to get as much because I'm just. I'm desperate for knowledge. I guess. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way I, I do it. Is 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 I, I try to get a, a high level as much. So when I'm con- when I am confronted with having to need that information, I'm like step one into it already. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You know what I mean. And I don't know if how good I am at it, but that's the way. I, that's what. That's I want to feel that. Um, because then it gives me the confidence of saying like, oh, I need to. I'm going to need to use these advanced tools eventually. It's going to be a while, mm-hmm. but I'm going to spend an hour figuring it out now before I really need it so that when I get there, I'll mm-hmm. have the confidence to take step two. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. That is because that it's totally different. And this is one of the reasons why I love talking about this kind of stuff because you just, you figure out that your brain works really differently than yeah. other person's. I'm totally not like that. I'm like, oh, look at this museum map. That exhibit looks cool. Go. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, that exhibit looks cool. Go there. Yeah. And then I figure out the map you know, and how the how the structure of the building is put together mm-hmm. as I go through the cool stuff that I want to see. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. is kind of how it feels like when I'm learning a new tool. It was like, I want to build this cool thing. So I'm yeah. gonna use this tool and I'm gonna do something with it. And then I just start making things with it. And if I need, you know, if I have a goal in mind and I can't figure out how to do it, I'll just ha- type in in Google how to do this in this tool. And usually it gives me a resource that will teach me how to use the tool for that one thing. Yeah. yeah. Um but that's, I don't know, there's something that's really engaging for me and kind of thrilling for me of just like not knowing everything about it and just going in. Yeah. And that's like an important feeling for me. I just have, like, I know I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get started ASAP. Huh. So we should go to a museum together sometime and see how that works out. <laughs> like, All right, I'll, we'll just meet at lunch. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for your way for mine. <laughs> we're looking at the map together and Mark's like, okay, so then there's this part and there's this part, this part. And he looks up and Ellen's like, already. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're already on gallery three. <laughs> already through. The, already, well, I don't like to rush through it. It's yeah. just like, I want to, I just start going. No, it's, that's how long it'll take me to analyze my plan. <laughs> oh, I see. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. So I also describe myself a little bit uh, like reckless. Like I like to just jump in, mm-hmm. but, but I, we each describe ourselves that way, but the process is very, very different. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, like, I definitely want to have a plan of attack. Like, I, I don't want to figure out everything because that is ultimately a waste of time. Yeah. And yeah. you're not going to be able, you're not going to stick to that plan. So, right, right, right. But I like to have a kind of, like, um, a notion, anyway, mm-hmm. um, to give me that confidence. Yeah. Um, and so, oh. uh, and to know that I'm going to do efficiently. So, back to the museum metaphor, like, I will say, like, I'm going to go here, here, and here so that I don't have to double back and waste my time. Yeah. I mean, probably because my that, knees are kind of bad, but like, <laughs> fair enough. I want to optimize my walking speed. But it's the same when I'm walking through a parking lot. I'm like, shortest point between A and B. And I do that little like calculation before I get going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's quick, but it, I have to do it. Oh, yeah. That's super interesting. That makes sense. I like the way, like, y'all, the way y'all are describing it, I just like get into the thing I want and then not having to learn anything else. So, like, I just go to the I guess in the in museum situation. I yeah, go for the one the metaphor. Yeah, I just go to the one art piece, go, Oh, this is nice, look at it, watch it, look at it for a while. Go home. A long time, and then I'm like, Yep, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So I mean this gets me into the problem sometimes because like I'll learn what I need to learn about a thing just so I can do whatever thing I needed to get done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like so oftentimes I'll be like, Oh, I actually did this wrong and I have to go back and learn more stuff and I'm like, Ugh. And then you've, esta- you've established your working knowledge. Yes. And like like I've done with other tools, mm-hmm. you then then you get you frustrate yourself with having to change it. 
Yeah. Basically. Right. <laughs> or add to it or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I only learned the little, I only learned the, the pure basics because I just want to get this thing done. I don't want to yeah. do all, I don't want to learn. Like, I, I guess, like, generally speaking, when I learn a tool, I don't want to learn the tool so I can use the tool well. I right. just want to get whatever You're thing You're not worried I need about the third there. thing you make in it. Yeah, I just want to get the thing done. Yeah, you, yeah. That's, that's like a waste of time that you could be spending building that first thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm at with it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it's a waste of time to learn these things because it's valuable and it will save you time down the line too. Yeah. Um, if, like, even when, like, uh, Unity things like when I learn the stuff, I'm sure I'm going to use the stuff down the line. I'm still working in Unity. Um, yeah, but what use is retaining it if you don't need it right now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just like, I'll just do the one thing I need to get done, and then I learn. Now I know how this thing works, and then I don't have to learn more stuff until later. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's a. <laughs> I think it's a totally valid and wise learning strategy, right? Because if something, it's if you learn something and it turns out that it is something that you're going to need to know often, mm-hmm. you're going to look it up a more a little bit more in the beginning yeah. than you are later because you're yeah. just going to be practicing it and then through mm-hmm. repetition because it's the thing you're going to need to know a lot it'll just stick it'll just stick mm-hmm. that's yeah that's yeah yeah really we're, we're describing just all the same stages of of gaining knowledge and proficiency and just we do it in each of us do it in a different order yeah, yeah we just approach it differently yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting yeah huh. exactly so um we talked about a lot of the things i wanted to talk about already um but i also want to talk about like when so when do you learn it's not i have an i have a hypothesis for steven um but <laughs> i basically I, said it yeah eventually at the time of need at the time of need but yes. like do you schedule time to learn like when you know what's your experience of like oh i wanted to learn this thing because i just wanted to learn it or i wanted to learn this thing because i wanted to build something for playdate or i wanted to learn this thing because someone paid me to learn it like <laughs> what's your experience with those things well i can i can I have a pretty good idea of how to describe my process, which is that I have a goal in mind, and then if I hit a barrier on the goal, then I um, I just I'll I'll sidetrack to to do that other thing, and then I'll work my way back to the main path on the way to the final mm-hmm. goal. Right. So if I'm I want to build this thing, um, Playdate's a pretty good example. So like uh, you know I, I in order to get familiar, familiar with the API, I was trying to think of like well um, you know I, I learned how it worked. And then I'm like, well, I don't know if I like the way this does it. And it doesn't provide this extra tool I need. So I guess I'll build that tool. Okay, da da da, build that tool. Well, if I build that tool and I built it that way, it's kind of just a little or- orphan piece of code. It would work better if it was part of a framework that expected that. And then I ended up building a game engine. So <laughs> <laughs> on the way to building the widget satchel too, which is right. the goal ultimately, is to is to the game I want to make. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I wouldn't call that the right decision, but it's uh, uh, nor the wrong decision, but it's a good metaphor for how I do a lot of things, mm-hmm. which is on my way to the final goal, I will, uh, you know, if there's 10 steps, I'm going to slot in step 5A and 5B and 5C, you know, and, and 7A, you know, I'm going to do that as mm-hmm. I, as I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it's like planning in advance, but as I go, if that makes sense, yeah. a little sort of a mix in that sense. Yeah. Um, I, I will let myself get sidetracked, but I'm always focused on winding my way back to the final goal. You're, t- you're taking, you're going to waypoints. Yeah. And know? I'll never, it, it, and I'm always very careful that anytime I'm off on a tangent, that it, the, the, the vector of it, it does not continue to go far and further and further away. Sure. Right. It's got, or it's got to turn its way back always. Yeah. Um, and I have that in my head the whole time. Right. You might go Northwest for a while, but you're always heading in a Northern direction. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Steven, how about you? I just want to learn the thing. So I just. You want to learn the thing so you can make <laughs> so the whenever thing. I need to do. So whenever I need to do a thing, I'm like, 
what do I need to learn to do this thing? And then I Google that and I figure that out and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Well, I, mm-hmm. I mean, d- d- it's very much a problem that you have to solve and get behind you. Yes. Well, right. okay. It's so not, it's not, so I, I do it my way cause it's kind of exciting and yeah. fun for me. It's yeah. not fun for you. No, <laughs> but okay. So, but to be fair, when I learn this thing, then I'm like, oh, actually now that I know I can do this thing, I can do more stuff with this thing. Mm-hmm. So then I gain a new goal and then I do that thing instead yeah. and learn how uh-huh. to do that thing. So to be fair to me, it's not like I don't like learning. It's just, <laughs> like, I just like the pro sometimes the process of learning is frustrating for me. So I don't like just learn for the sake of it. But the, so the way I do it is I like like I like getting things done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I will get a thing done. And then because I got this thing done and I learned stuff about that thing, I will like go, oh, I can actually do more stuff with this thing and then try to do a new thing with that. But right. I'm still directed towards doing that thing. Yeah. So like I'm focused on maximum efficiency and you're focused on maximum productivity. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you can learn one thing and get 10 things out of it. Mm hmm. Whereas I'm happy to learn, get one thing done per thing I learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty accurate too, yeah. So we've got, we've got maximum efficiency for Mark and maximum productivity for Steven and maximum woo for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe surprising no one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the journey is the destination for you, right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, like I really, I, what you're saying, Steven, about like you want to build the thing, I, that really resonates with me. I really like building stuff. And oftentimes the thing that I will make, like I made a shirt a couple months ago. I think I wore it here for oh, folks. You should see the shirt. It's awesome. Yeah. I was just about to talk about how crappy it is. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was great. Well, you, you did say that there was a feature of it that was well hidden from us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, okay, so I don't do a lot of sewing, but I like making things. So sometimes I have stuff for sewing at home and I like making things. And that's how I, I like learning things and I like learning how to make things. And so one day I was like, oh, I'm going to make it a shirt. And um, you said it just like that. I did. <laughs> uh, we well, I got together with my sister and my grandma. My grandma has a lot of experience sewing, but she's in her 90s now. So she doesn't really do that anymore. But, you know, it's nice to have company. And my sister is very accomplished. She's done lots, lots of her own cosplays. She has a really sick Jedi costume that she uh, made herself. Really cool, cool stuff. Um, and so we decided we were going to get together at my grandma's house and do a sewing day. And we were leading up to it. And my sister kept asking me, so what do you think you're going to make for sewing day? And I'm like. Maybe dog bed. And then the next day I had to say, well, maybe some pants. And the next day she'd, she'd ask me, I'd be like, well, maybe maybe a skirt. And then I finally settled on this shirt. And I'm like, I'm going to make a shirt. And here I was thinking, I'm going to make this shirt in like an afternoon. Yeah. No, by the end of the afternoon, I'd cut out the fabric for the shirt. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So then the next day I'm like, I'm going to finish this shirt. And I finished the shirt and I was really excited about doing it. And it does look pretty nice from the outside. But if you flip it out, if you flip it inside out, it's very messy and things don't quite line up. So it's, I did learn how to make the shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very happy that I made the shirt and I do wear the shirt and I feel great when I wear it because I made that shirt. On the other hand, it was not, it's not a great example of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it's not about the quality. It's about the woo. I made this shirt, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so where was I going with this? Woo. We started it with woo. Maximum woo. Maximum woo. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So it I do like making a thing. Mm-hmm. I like the feeling of having made the thing. Yeah. I like the process of making the thing. Sure. And I think that's what I mean by maximum woo. Is yeah. like the maximum enjoyment of the process from start to finish in the in the service of making something. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, and that sounds different from me in that like 
I just like having the thing done. I don't necessarily, I, I, well, sometimes I take pride in, you know, doing a thing by myself, but most of the time I'm like, this is better now. Yay. And not like <laughs> I did this thing. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Get that. Mm-hmm. yeah. You uh. wouldn't be like, look at this terrible shirt I made. Isn't it great? <laughs> um, I mean, I've knitted before. That's cool. I had. I, I used to have a hat. Um, no, was it? No, it was a scarf that I knitted. Mm-hmm. I never finished the scarf. Huh? Dang, I should knit again. Wait, were you were walking around with like a half knit scarf? No, I just had a s- scarf. I just never finished in my at my place. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't walking around <laughs> with it. Here's like, here's, I'm so proud of this not finished product. It's very. It's knit. <laughs> it's knit pretty well on one side, and then it's just like it's just. <laughs> stringing some needles yeah <laughs> i want i want that's my new halloween costume it's, it's an aspiring it's a, aspiring knitter knitter oh that's funny oh, that's, funny. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah so it sounds like it sounds like steven you don't schedule time for learning because you're working and oh you yeah fit it into your workflow no i'll be like well i mean sometimes i'm like oh i want to mod skyrim so i'm gonna yeah. I will schedule time to learn all the new things because Skyrim just came out with a new update. Doggone it. So now I got to learn all this new stuff. And I just, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait a year or two. There's just like a, a 10 years of Skyrim like news beats that just happened. And I'm like, great. Finally, the, everyone could be set free. But no, it's just, you're, it's just boring. No, it's just boring. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, um, but no, I don't. I guess I don't. I, I, I need to make sure I have time to do the thing, but I don't like schedule time to do it. I'll sometimes just get inspiration. I'll be like, I can improve this thing. And then I'll just like start doing it. And if it takes too much time, I'll get or I get bored or something. I'll stop. Yeah. That's kind of how I do it. Yeah, kind of like a scarf. Yeah, I don't yeah. schedule time, but I budget it. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. I, I, I try to I try to guess. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be distracted by a couple of things because I'm surely sure that step four is I'm not gonna be able to manage without learning something. Don't know what I'm gonna have to learn. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure it'll take me a while. So I try to budget. And it's not always accurate, but um I don't I don't yeah, I don't schedule it. I guess because I, I I like to leave it sort of open ended a little bit because I yeah. don't I don't want to like cut it off early because then I've then I've wasted some time. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting because I I like scheduling time to learn. Yeah. Okay. Because because when I'm learning something, I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There's no there's no external demands on it. Usually not. Yeah. yeah usually yeah. not. When I'm when I'm learning something, I'm doing it for me, and then when I actually am able to perform with it, then I will start committing to helping other people with things. Sure. Right. So right. I don't, and, I, and I'm motivated by those demands. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just that actually that in, inspires me to make new things is to give myself reasons to learn stuff. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't I can't just sit down and say like I'm going to learn something new. Like, well, what what do I want to learn? And like, this will be interesting to learn. Like, I I can't work that way. Yeah. Same. Oh, that's so interesting because that's exactly how I love to. It's like, okay, <laughs> wow. you are not going to set aside these six hours and you're just going to learn this thing. Yeah. And that that to me is like, you give me the option between six hours where I could just learn my own stuff and six hours on a beach in like Belize, I will choose the former. <laughs> that's just like such a, an amazing reward. Yeah. Huh. To me, it's just having just that free brain space to just like dig into something new. Oh, yeah, getting so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping to give myself a lot of those days um, in December, kind of over hiatus. And as it's going to be like my Christmas present to myself. It's just <laughs> time. Hey, you. 
Me? Me? No. Me? You. You? No. Ellen? Me. No. Me. <laughs> Ellen. No. <laughs> oh. Listener. <laughs> fill out the feedback form, dang it. Yeah, Ellen, why would Ellen fill out the feedback form? <laughs> Actually, Ellen, you should fill out the feedback form, too, if you have opinions on that. I'm biased, but <laughs> I will if you if you insist. Okay, but... What's the URL? <laughs> NiceGames.club slash feedback. Let's see what's there. I'm going to type it in. Yeah, yeah, go look at it. Oh, you know, it's you, very important for us to get that feedback. You vamp, can, vamp while I type well, it in. We can, learn about, <laughs> we can learn about what's wrong about the show and improve that, it. Well, Steven, what are, the kind of, what are the kind of things we want feedback on? Well, one thing is, like, how do you as a listener engage with us where do you do it at do you do it on discord do you do it on twitter do you do it on twitch that would be weird because we don't have a twitch but do you want to do it on twitch yeah <laughs> patreon etc we have a lot of avenues but like let us know if if this is if another avenue works better for you or something because like we can we can provide that yeah so let it's not just know. feedback about the show which yeah. of course we want mm-hmm. it's feedback about your relationship with the show exactly mm-hmm. Yes, so fill it out. Dang it. It's, I loaded it. <laughs> Don't yell at Ellen. <laughs> or listener. Don't yell at... Uh, you're right. You can yell at the listeners. All right. <laughs> Uh, if you don't what like it, what are they going to do? Fill out oh, the right. feedback form. They give the feedback form. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't tell them it's at nicegames.club slash feedback. It is. And even more, I will tell you that no. <laughs> it loaded so well on my mobile phone. Oh, did it? Yeah. There are, there's nice. a picture of Mark, and there's a picture of Steven, and there's a picture of me, <laughs> and it says Nice Games Club Feedback, so you know that you've reached the right location. There you, there go. you go. Um, And then there, the, the form starts with, hey, this form will take about five minutes to do. Right. And it's short. It's short. And then there's some questions asking about the stuff that Steven just talked about. And in total, I can get to the bottom of the page with like two flicks of my thumb. Right. So it's good for people who have a lot of things going on in their day. They can <laughs> they can still fit this in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. For sure. And like I said, it's easy to get to and it's formatted for mobile. So you can do it while you're waiting in line at the DMV. Right. Or while you're on the bus or while you're on the train yeah. or while you're, you know, being pulled by the buggy. Or literally right now, if you're not driving. Yes. Please don't do it while you're driving. Yeah, don't do that. But fill out the feed form, dang it. The what? Feed, what did I say? Feed form. <laughs> feed form! <laughs> no, feedback form. Just, just, okay, I'm done. <laughs> That's nicegames.club slash feedback. Uh, okay. My topic, yeah, is co-op. Mm-hmm. What is co-op? It's cooperative, right? It's when two or more people do a thing together, like a podcast. Like a podcast. <laughs> you describe it as if it's a somewhat alien concept to you. <laughs> it's not. I just. I don't know. I just. This I, is how I want to introduce it. I guess. I am told people sometimes cooperate. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm looking at the first bullet point in this topic, which is that your brother and you played a co-op game yes we we played yeah we do that from time to time recently like the two of you worked towards the same goal (laughs) what hospitals he's at (laughs) (laughs) just kidding kidding. Um, (laughs) i i me and my brother played it takes two yeah um which you know is is a very cooperative game yeah actually me and my brother played the game that they made before that called a way out and i'm not going to talk about that game because the ending is Aggravating. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all have played it, but and that's from a studio that's very 
focused on two-player only co-op um, experiences. No, no. The, mm. the first game that they made was called A Brother is a Tale of Two Sons, and that was a single-player game that was effectively co-op with yourself. Oh, because you played two characters on one controller. Yes, right? exactly. That's such a strange thing. But, I know, right? But their, their next two were... Yeah, were, the next two yeah. were all co-op, yes. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they focus on that. Um, and so I wanted to talk about co-op because, like, I don't know, it, it was on my mind recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to talk about this also in respect to what I think is different called what I'm going to call a collaborative game. Mm. I think a cooperative game is a game where people are working together, but a collaborative game is where people where people are working together, but like one person, like everybody has all the information that the other people have so that they, they can, um, they like one person can just tell other people what to do. Mm. And then, so they'll be carrying out actions that somebody else is telling them to do. And it's not exactly the same thing. Does that uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, if you're playing a cooperative board game and everybody can see all of the stuff on the board, somebody can just tell you, hey, move your piece over here or do this ability. Yeah. And then essentially it's a game where the entire team can, can take one action. Yes. Even if mechanically people take their own actions. Yes, exactly. Yes. Whereas a co-op game, at least in your description, mm-hmm. is where people are, they have their own agency and autonomy. Yes. But they're working towards a similar goal. Yes, exactly. Thank okay. you. Yes. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I like describe collaborative as like a teacher and student. Like a teacher is teaching. They they have the same. This teacher and student have the same goal of, I guess, the student learning. I think, but like the teacher is directing the student on how to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily the teacher and student working together to learn the thing. I guess they they could, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like not necessarily the case. They're both working towards the t- the same task, and they. Oh gosh, yeah, this is tough to think about, but yeah. I feel like I know. I like what you're the way Mark described it. I'm making it yeah. worse. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so all right, gonna... <laughs> just replay that part. Yeah. Um. So I want to talk about like what makes a co-op thing, what makes a co-op game compelling, what makes a co-op game not compelling, mm-hmm. things to avoid, things to uh, want to add in your game, things like that. I found that like because I've worked on a couple like co-op things, and I've had some co-op ideas in my head. Um, it's been a while since I talked about it, but like I had this idea called the Mage and the Knight. Mm-hmm. Where like one player plays as a mage, one player plays as a knight, and you have like different. It would be like an action, co-op combat sort of thing, but like you have different roles in combat, right? Sort of, um, it's like a gauntlet type game, but like a much a wider gulf between player uh, tasks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and so, so one thing, like, so I've been thinking about this a little bit, so I'm lying. And like one thing I think that helps with cooperative games is like having each player have hidden information. They have their own knowledge base mm-hmm. that they can work with. That other players do not have, or they're not allowed to have. Right. Um, so there's some co-op board games that are like this, where you are yes. you you are instructed by the rules to keep secrets. Yes. Even though you have a shared goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, we were working on Robust, and that game is somewhat cooperative and also competitive, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the way the we actually didn't want uh, hidden information got, uh, by rule by fiat of rules. Yeah. And that's why it's that's why we introduced a competitive component. Mm-hmm. So that players could have a reason to keep secrets. Yeah, but we, we well, you're right. But I think like we do have hidden information and in that each person has their own role that they don't want to tell other people. Or at least they're incentivized not to tell other people. Right. right? They're they're motivated by their, their own individual goal. Whereas yes. you're you're talking about uh co op things where you, you, some other thing is keeping that information. Yeah, secret. and oftentimes it's just the game tells you don't do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Or you in a fast paced game, it's yeah. not really efficient to for everyone to share their hand because right. you gotta play right now. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a that's a good point. Um, another thing that can make co-op compel- compelling is like having each player have different abilities or roles. I think it's important though to make sure that like when you're doing this, if you, everybody has their own abilities or roles, that the 
the roles still can't be easily dictated by one player or another player. Because mm-hmm. um, otherwise, then you get collaborative, and I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that personally in games. Do you think that's like, an exclusive requirement? Because mm-hmm. um, maybe you're focusing on that now, that asymmetry yeah. between players. But there is something also like a, you know, like a two-player beat-em-up mm-hmm. where there's just too many enemies for one player. Yeah. And so, so you give two players the same abilities and they have to coordinate their task their, their, or they could just individually fight half the enemies. Yeah. Um, but they have the same mechanics and, and skills. Yeah, that, that's possible too. You know, I mean, ultimately- That just doesn't interest you as much. Well, no, but I mean, I mean it, it doesn't interest me as much, but I think that is an aspect of cooperation mm-hmm. um, that, you know, is, is a good point and I hadn't considered. Like just the task is too- mountain big big yeah for um one player to do right so right. um having two players is necessary i think that's good um me and my brother also played what was it there was like a shooter army of two that's what it was called mm-hmm. where like i mean you both of you were shooters you just shot i think you're mercenaries or something i don't quite remember the whole game um <laughs> but there was shooting there was shooting <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was cooperative shooting and uh yeah we had the same abilities but there's just a lot of enemies i think mm. so like yeah um we had to, you know, we had to work together to defeat them. What I like about games like that, mm-hmm. the potential for games like that, is that yeah. then there can be differentiation between players based on their what they themselves bring to it. That's true. So I, I like games like that when, um, if the your options are have, are pretty wide, mm-hmm. so you can choose to do this versus choose to do that. Like somebody can hang back and throw grenades, and the other person could go up front with the mm-hmm. knife. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they both have grenades and knives. Yeah, right. They just can decide. They can kind of break it out. Now, that requires, uh, now there's risk to that, right? Because yes. you can have somebody who's just really good at everything. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Right, so you have to design in such a way where that's either impossible or not fun. Yeah, we've all um, done student projects where, you know, <laughs> some people aren't picking right, right, their right, slack. Right. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the things, that, the best example I could think of of something like that um, is when we were, we were playing um, Star Trek Adventures, mm-hmm. the role-playing game. Yeah. And um, uh, and I was the GM, and I would I would task, okay, there's a, this thing you've got to get to this force field or something, some problem. Yeah. But it has many components. And now everyone has their own skills and unique abilities, but everyone's got a tricorder. Right. And so there are some time I really, really liked when everyone just, because everyone has to independently come up with their own way of helping. Mm-hmm. And it isn't always related to what their character sheet says. Yeah. Um, and I, I, always get a, I always got a thrill out of that when I saw people work together that way. Yeah. 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 That stuff's cool. I like that stuff. Um, another thing that I came up with in this list is um, players just being in different locations that like can affect mm. other players. Oh yeah. So like yeah. for instance, like you you know, you're down, you're both on a corridor and it's like separated by a wall. There's a switch that will open this door so the other player can walk through it. That's a very simple um example of like this kind of co-op thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I'm <laughs> for some reason the only thing I could think of is there's a Mario Party mini game that's exactly <laughs> this. Yeah. Um and yeah. that's not just like two people attacking the same problem with different tools. Mm-hmm. That's two people playing two different games, essentially. Yeah, uh, the two play. Well, they're playing in different locations. They, you can still have the same like actions mechanics. Oh, okay. But like, I think like well, but also maybe potentially having different mechanics. Um, this, I guess, beyond the scope of that bullet point. <laughs> right. That could be throughout the whole game, or just contextual based on the moment of cooperation or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think another another way to help with like co op is just having accessible gameplay because like I think because everybody comes into a game with different skill levels, um, and skill sets. So, like if if the I mean I guess unless the game is specifically directly focused on it's this specific skill, which is possible, I suppose. Yeah. Um it's helpful to have it be accessible because then more people can play it. 
Right. You want to be able to, there's a genre you love and has a co-op mode and you want to introduce it to somebody who's not as proficient in that genre. Mm-hmm. That's a little harder if yeah. the game is, isn't accessible in that sense. Like, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, we, I feel like as developers, we need to come up with better terms for accessible because like there's different kinds of accessible. Right. You mean yeah. accessible in just the general sense. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it's easy to approachable? access. Easy. Player, approachable. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Ellen. Approachable. Approachable. Yeah. Yes. Approachable gameplay. Well, Ellen, you've talked about how you and your husband have wildly different tastes in game genres. Right. Yeah. Do you how are you able to play a lot of co-op games together? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's probably also in the hospital with Charles. <laughs> no, um, no, it's weird because it's really hit or miss. I think uh, the degree of success that we're able to play co-op games together is entirely dependent on how tired I am that day. Ah, okay. Because if I'm really tired, then I just don't have, I think I just need more patience to work through our different play styles. Cause he mm-hmm. is like, when we're playing a co-op game, that's more in his wheelhouse, mm-hmm. then it's really hard for me to keep up. Yeah. And so we end up falling back into that mode that you were talking about. And I'm not quite grasping the tech, like the, terminology of the taxonomy that you set up here Stephen. okay i'm probably gonna use it wrong but like if you're talking about collaborative being more like someone is directing the other person yeah when we're playing a game that's more in eric's wheelhouse that is how we we end up he's telling me how to do it and i'm executing and okay. sometimes that can be a lot of fun like when we're we we just like we just crush overcooked like sure <laughs> that game we just completely dominate and, I think and that's it that's a good example of collaborative well it's also cooperative too it's not just well very quickly you appoint somebody team captain yeah it's somebody has to that is not a mechanic in the game but yeah, it's somebody but it's, every team has to do yeah. yep because yep. there's just too many things there's yeah. too many things exactly mm-hmm. so everyone has the same abilities in the game yes. as a character mm-hmm. yes. but like it always ends up being Eric is team, our team captain when it's just the two of us playing because, mm-hmm. um, well, A, he's actually worked in restaurants before, so he has an <laughs> idea of like, he and, and B, and this is probably more of a factor. It's troubling that that experience maps so well to Overcooked. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it does a little bit, um, but more so, the more important factor is he's just got a really good brain for efficiency yeah. and like in setting up systems to be maximally productive or maximally mm-hmm. efficient and i don't <laughs> i don't um right we already talked about this my right. paradigm is maximum woo it's not maximum efficiency <laughs> or maximum productivity it's maximum woo yeah um so we but i really like beating games too so like i really like it when we can get three stars on the levels so i like in that kind of game it's really um we just fall into that rhythm and he's like okay i think we need to set up the system this way and then i execute we execute the system that way and i'm like Woo! <laughs> my god three stars Woo! yeah so it works out really well mm-hmm. we don't play that game very often because to him it just feels like work <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> right you get to have all the fun <laughs> yeah that's not what we want well, that's funny. um yeah so we don't play that game very often because to him it just feels like work and that's yeah. fair mm-hmm. um whereas like a lot of the co-op roguelikes that he like really likes to play like mm-hmm. streets of rogue um enter the gungeon is another one I just like he's so good at it that I just, I just end up ruining things so much. Like, hey, let's go in this door. And he's like, no, I can already tell that door is going to be useless. I'm like, but I want to go in the door. He's like, there's nothing in there. I'm like, I'm going through the door. <laughs> so we we do like cooperative games 
it's just a matter of finding the right game. I think cooperative puzzle games are really the the thing where it's at. But yeah. I say that as someone who really loves puzzle games, and he usually doesn't choose to play those on his own. Mm, so okay. well, I think what can be useful is games that allow people to slot into their own strengths. Yes. So like Overcooked is a good example where sometimes the team captain should be the person who's actually worst at the worst at the game. Yeah. Because then they don't have to do as much, and they don't have to be as uh, you don't have to be as on the ball chopping onions or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they just can watch the screen and deliver. You know because. Being good at the game, it, you know, yeah. with the controller is not the same as being able to exactly understand what needs to be done. And right, so yeah. sometimes that's a really good role for someone who's having trouble with the play of that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what you want is you want, you know, some people who can like, who can be the captain, who could assess the, the general, and then someone who could be the soldier, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if you can find a game that can work with that, but there's almost no way to design for that, right? Because there's going to be, you can't design for these two types of players necessarily it's just a fun thing it's just a good thing when it happens or can you well it's this is mm. <laughs> well it's that becomes extremely exclusionary because it becomes oh yeah okay. it can only be. only a co- the combination of those two types i mean that's obviously that's a reductive well, way to do it okay if you were really to target that type of thing you it's yeah. not just like you need two players you need one player like this and one player like that and that's a much taller ask sure but when you but when you live in you know with someone who is another type if the two of you can find a game that works for you that way mm-hmm. then you know then it works out yeah 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 I w- to kind of interrogate the taxonomy a little bit more i wanted to yeah. ask you how you would categorize and two games two games are examples that i wanted to bring up okay um one was keep talking and nobody explodes mm-hmm. that oh that's a good question that's cooperative you know that's but that one also uh because of the way the rules are that you have somebody with the the you with know the bomb with the uh, who can see and everybody else I know that when we play that as a group, my either my with my family or with, with groups of friends, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dale, my wife, is she becomes the team captain. Yeah, and so she'll she'll assign. All right, you're on this duty. You're on that duty because she can. She knows who's good at what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she knows what order to do things in. And like the bo- the person looking at the bomb says, "There's this, this, and this," and she knows which one to tackle first. Mm-hmm. And she very naturally slots into that role. Um, but she also takes a couple of the tasks for herself. So. It's a little bit of a mix between those things where yeah. like like she play she gets to play the game more than anybody else. So that's kind of maybe not ideal. Mm-hmm. But also it is, everyone does have their own roles because yeah. it's the only way that game works. Right. Yeah. You, someone can't it's dominate just too many tasks. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. Well, that's something to consider then if you're looking to have that kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. Gotta have a lot of tasks. And we touched on that earlier, and there's just too many enemies to fight. You have yeah. to have a buddy. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think you for a game that is um there's a risk of somebody stepping up and wanting to do everything. As a designer, you want to make sure that you punish that behavior. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you, you make that not fun for that person. Yeah. Um, so so that, that they can naturally find their way to a, a more a healthier relationship with their with their uh with their, uh, their, their co players. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so I would I, I, I think I'd say that's cooperative. Yeah. Okay. Actually I come up with a third one. Um, but we'll get so we'll get to that one in a second. <laughs> okay. The second one I wanted to bring out was uh Dicer and Clasp. The one that we made oh, for that game jam, right? Uh. Because there were two entirely different roles. Yeah. And a lot of that was based on the hidden information, right? Yeah. You had one person who was in the in the maze, in mm-hmm. the dungeon, and um, then you had one person who was navigating the map. And the information wasn't, there was no in-game information that was passed back and forth between the two pieces. It right. all had to be communicated verbally. Yeah, there's one person who wasn't looking at the screen, right? Or Well, they were looking it? at the other screen with the map on it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, they weren't looking at the same screen. Now, people people just decided that 
once they got stuck, like then they would come back and they would like piece it together to, you know, together. So that you'd uh-huh. see people with one person, like two people on the same side of the, the desk that we set up. And then the one person who was looking at the map would go back and look at the map and then come back. And then, you know, so <laughs> people figured out, I mean, the intention I mean, yeah, was, yeah, the intention was that one person was looking at the map and the other person was looking at the screen, but people yeah. played it however they wanted to have fun. Yeah, right. That's, that's ultimately what yeah, you want. That's a good question. I think that's more collaborative. Okay. Because one person's directing the other person where to go. The other person's just doing the actions. You know, it sort of depends because, like, that was a game jam game. Yeah. But if it were built out, then you'd have the person who was receiving instructions might have more uh, mechanics to engage with where they are fully responsible. Yeah. Like, when they approach an enemy, then they have to actually beat that enemy. And the person who's giving them instructions can't help them with that. Yeah. You know, so that might be something where that game would grow into something that's more stri- more yep. purely co-op. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think that's I think that's collaborative because I think it's just someone's directing someone to do a thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty common escape room mechanic. Yes, is so, somebody has to they have to be the 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 instrument of somebody else's puzzle solving. Yeah, you know that's interesting because like with respect to like board games and stuff, I don't like it when people are just telling me how to play because then it doesn't feel like I'm playing the game. Yeah. Right, but like in an escape room. I'm okay with that because ultimately, I guess we're all trying to solve the puzzle, right? So it's not quite the same. There's a time crunch, and there's a there's yeah, a and there's I, a time. Crunch. If I'm the person yeah. who's like, okay, there's a square and a circle and a chain and a little button. Okay, what do I do? And I'm I'm not gonna have any part of figuring this out. Yeah, but I'm the person moving the things around, and mm-hmm. there's a time that's still gameplay. Yeah, even if it doesn't engage the part of my mind that maybe I prefer to do when I play games. Yeah, I could still feel kind of excited about that. Mm-hmm. In a board game, there's less. There's less play happening yeah. for that person. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. You had a third idea, Ellen. Yeah, Warframe. Warframe? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I only played that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I also and I've only played it a little bit too, so yeah, I'll okay. try to do my I'll do my best to try to describe it. But like okay. there's a lot of different modes of play in Warframe, but one of the things that you do, at least when I was playing, well, the main thing that I was doing is I was just grinding out these little mini levels, right? So these little yeah. Like missions you'd go on, they're procedurally generated. The, level, the missions are, the locations are, and you'd go in there with yourself or your yourself and your buddy or just a bunch of randos, and you'd complete your missions. So you'd like you'd unlock the thing, or you'd collect the doodad, or you'd just fight off the wave of whatever's. Yeah. And you're if you just went in there with a bunch of randos, like you're supposed to contribute, but it's perfectly like they can they can complete the mission on their own mm-hmm. so i then i would experience that like when i was first learning the game and I, we had to go like unlock certain things at different parts of the map and the map is procedurally generated so it was a different map every time right yeah. but like i couldn't read the map yet and i wasn't quite used to moving around so i would be really slow compared to the other players of warframe you can move your character real fast yeah in that you game. can yeah yeah and i hadn't figured out the key bindings and, and all the moveset yet so like i would start the level and i'd be like yay we're doing a mission and then i'd get a notification like 30 seconds later that the first thing was done and then 30 seconds after that they did the second thing and then the level's over (laughs) and i was like well i got credit for that i guess i didn't i got like one extra bonus pickup item and yeah i get credit for the mission but i didn't really do anything yeah so where how would that sort of thing (laughs) I don't know that that's even collaborative. It sounds like <laughs> y'all are just doing this. You just happen to be in the same place at the same time. Well, yeah. I, mean, like, I guess that's right. I, I wasn't contributing. Yeah. I mean, that's true for a lot of like MMOs mm-hmm. um, and at their worst, right? Yeah. It's like, like raids, you can bring 50 of your friends and like not everyone has to do every, anything. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? Because th- those those systems have to be extremely flexible, mm-hmm. and therefore they can't be that um, specific. Yeah. 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 I remember when I played um, a long time ago. I used to play Maple Story, and there was a raid that we did, and like I had done the raid enough times that like I knew the. Or I don't even know. If, I don't think it was a raid. I think it was just like a party quest in that like there wasn't really a lot of fighting you had to do. There were like some puzzles and stuff you get to go through. Mm-hmm. And I'd done it enough so I knew the puzzles. So I would just like do the puzzles and then people would just wait for me to do the puzzles because <laughs> I did it so many times. Um, so yeah, I yeah, I, I would argue that it's, not, it's neither of those things. It's just a, a game that people are playing at the same time. <laughs> right, right. But that brings up like a sort of an interesting point about like mm-hmm. A lot of times as designers, we tend to think about what our goal of a design is. And yeah. then also like, oh, but this, it doesn't quite get that. It's a bit of a failure. So it's not quite there. But thinking about those kinds of systems, yeah. that flexibility and that they, that it can work like that, where that, that those are approachable because mm-hmm. somebody can be on a team and not have to do anything. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it doesn't, as a game designer, that feels kind of like, well, that's not quite right. Yeah. But like, maybe sometimes you don't have to be all the way there's other benefits to having an imperfect system mm. or a more flexible system yeah well hmm. i feel like i feel like it's important for people to feel included in the game whatever yeah. you're doing so like if they're not doing a thing and they then i feel like they wouldn't feel included at least in that in particular section of right. whatever you're doing well i guess what i mean is that there's different approaches right so sure and, and different players and yeah and engineering your system to guarantee that everyone participates has means that it's a much more demanding game of everyone. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Cool. They have to, they have to engage with it more. It's, and so, um, uh, MMO is just the example that we've been thinking about, but like, yeah. that's a case where maybe that kind of thinking probably happens a lot, but then they probably pull back on it a bit Yeah. In, as and, they're designing, because mm-hmm. when they test it, like some people are just, they play these things so casually and autonomically that like they don't want to be fully exactly i was gonna say mmo is probably the space where you wouldn't want to have to do all that yeah. kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that i think makes sense but that i mean that's also true for things like puzzle rooms sometimes you just get dragged along and yeah. you just want to enjoy yourself and so yeah. you don't if this puzzle room is designed for six people mm. like it that probably means four people can do it yeah right and so that there's that flexibility to allow for different levels of engagement yeah as well as different play styles yeah that's true that's true I would love to do a puzzle room by myself, but I need like four hours. <laughs> like, uh, like I have to pull off every book on the shelf. I would like, love What's to. What's in here? What's in here? I would love here? to come with you and just watch you do that. <laughs> that could be. Maybe it's a Patreon. <laughs> well, the three of us will go to a puzzle room and and just Ellen will do it. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, we'll just comment. I guess. So that would be fun. Any, we can't say anything that could possibly help her. Right, just, right, right. It's going to be like mystery science theater, <laughs> but just me doing a puzzle room. Yeah, and then eventually you guys will leave because it'll take so long. Yeah, it's like is she we're still working on the puzzle, or did she just get distracted by that? Yeah, weird thing in the corner. Now we took the labyrinth to get in here, but if we order a pizza, will, will the pizza guy have to take the labyrinth to reach us? Or right, right. And they send it down the Kint tube. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, something came down the tube. Oh, it's not a hint. It's just pizza. (laughs) You guys order pizza? (laughs) Hey, that's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and our programming in general. You heard us talk about it in the middle of the show. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at nicegamesclub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and hitting a disco ball. Or you can email us contact at nicegames.club. 
Want to support the show? If you do, there are so many ways. You can give us a review in your favorite podcast app. You can tell your friends about your friends. Tell your fiends. Tell your fiends. <laughs> tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. And also, we are on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. There's some new stuff up there this week. It's true. Get on it. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Feedborn. Feedborn. Why did I say feedborn? You were smashing feed- feedback. I was trying form. to say it together yeah. at the same time. Feedback form. And I said it several feedborn. times and I just um We're gonna call it, can we call it feedborn from now on? Feed the feedborn. <laughs> it sounds like a Tolkien creature. It really does. The feedborn. Yeah. The feedborn. That does sound like yeah. It sounds like a real monster creature thing. It's weird. Like the ents <laughs> and the feedborms. The only way to, to defeat it is like give it a thorough critique. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How can we do better? <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.